So last week we talked about the doctrine, and, and, and again, I, I need to qualify something. I realize that sounds like a slap boring title. I, I get it. I know that if I was Joyce Myers and I had a set of tapes out, the doctrine of justification, nobody would buy one. Is it just boring? It's got, you got to put some spice in it or something. You got you to make it sound like something somebody wants to hear, even though we need to know it. It's the doctrine that changed the world. All right, there's, a, there's several more after this, after this Wednesday. Next Wednesday, I'm going to talk about the doctrine of predestination. And um, you, you may think that doctrine's dead. It's not. Um, there's a lot of people that believe that God picks and chooses who gets saved. That's the worst of the doctrine. But then he picks and chooses who gets healed. It's like he's up there picking and choosing. And, and do you know, do you know how to confront it? Do you know how to do it? I said this last week and I want to say it again. Do you know what you believe? Do you know why you believe it? And can you show what you believe to other people? That's amazing. You really should be able to open up a Bible and go, I'm going to show you something. I want to show you what I believe right here. One of the things that I've done, that, and I pray this helps you, I have never been able uh, to study a Bible without a highlighter, highlighters, and, and, and colored ink pens. I, I don't know how to read without a box of pens. If I don't have pens, I can't read. I, I go, I, I, I just start flipping around the room. Like, I got to mark this. I got to write something. And, and so that's another reason I give my Bibles away every three years is because there's no room left to write anything in there. I've already put so many notes. I should do like Copeland, sell it. Never mind. Anyway, Justin's got one. And he carries it around, and everybody that sees it thinks he's deep. <laughs> got your own. I'm glad you got your own Bible now. Amen. Amen. But, um, but, but I'll tell you something about marking your Bible. Uh, some people ask me, because when I study, I, people say I'm reading my Bible. I don't just read. I study it. I'll go looking for something because I don't understand it. Like when I didn't understand righteousness, I took the book of Romans and I went through with a, um, not a credit card, but a little business card and an ink pen, and I underline righteousness and justification everywhere I found it in the book of Romans. And then I went back and I started marking them, and then I read those scriptures and other translations, and I started really meditating on it to, get, to try to grab an understanding of that subject. And that's the only way I've ever known to grab something. I mean, the Holy Ghost will help you if you'll read it. But if you're just reading, you know, I don't, that doesn't work for me very well. I do, I do it. Um, I, I, I will pick up my Bible like I read 1 Timothy one night and 2 Timothy the second night. I'll just pick up uh, the, the Truth Bible or Message Bible and just read the, a whole book in it just to read it. Not really do anything, just fellowshipping with God. But then when I'm studying, I'm, I'm digging. I'm digging in there. I want to mine it all out. And I want to know it really, really well. And that's the only way I know to study and so, I, and I've been that way for over 40 years and I'm still that crazy. Um, when, when I get to heaven, Lisa's going to have a music room, so is Kenny, but I'm going to have a library. 
And it's going to have thousands of books in it because I read all the time. I love to read. So having said that, we're going to talk about the doctrine of sanctification and what is it. Now, now, and I told you to go to John 17. Let me qualify something here as we get started. The, well, let me read it to you. The sanctification, the definition, the act or the process of acquiring sanctity of being made or becoming holy. This doctrine has created more havoc in the church than anything else because uh, it hasn't been but the last maybe 10 or 15 years that we've, well, maybe 25 years now, we've had major ministries that have grasped a hold of the fact of, of the trinity of a man or, um, or um, what's the word I want here? Um, first, first Thessalonians 5.23, I'm a spirit, I have a soul, and I live in a body. Now, when, when Kenneth Hagin, and, and he tells the story about how he was a Baptist and he became Assemblies of God, and back, back in the day, people didn't preach righteousness because righteousness to them was, was holiness. And um, holiness was something people uh, did everything in their power to obtain to and to live right and to do right. And it created, it created all kinds of stuff. So you had two major doctrines that were going along in the body of Christ up until the 50s or the 60s. And one of them was justification by faith. The Lutherans believed this, the Baptists believed this, and a lot of people. But that's as far as they took it. They basically, you're saved, period. And every Sunday they preached to the Christians like they're sinners and gave an altar call and everybody got saved every Sunday. And you heard there's none righteous, no, not one. And, and, and I'm not saying, and they, and they did a good job on preaching living right and all that stuff. But they basically took that as the end of it. Now, there were the holiness that came along. And whether you all don't understand this or not, they actually came out of the Methodist church. Now, what I didn't tell you last week, if you're studying Wesley, the Methodists were the predominant religion in early America. Baptists were down at the bottom. Uh, uh, Methodists and Episcopalians were way up there high. And so uh, Methodist, uh, because of Wesley, he preached a method because he was an Episcopal, I mean, a, a, a Lutheran, no, what was he? Anglican priest who was trying to get saved by being good. When he finally got met, um, the Moravians in Germany that were influenced by Luther. He, he accepted justification by faith. Now, he didn't believe the doctrine at first. Uh, he, he, and the man told him, preach it till you believe it. He don't know when he got saved. He just kind of like one day accepted it. And, and it took him a while to make the adjustments because he was afraid to stop trying so hard to be a Christian and just trust Jesus. To him, that was massive turn. But he never gave up living right. Now think about that for a minute because who's the guy that traveled through America here? Um, help me out here, guys. Hmm? No, 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 no. Back in the 1700s. Hmm? Not Finney before him. 
Whitfield. Whitfield was a Calvinist, and we'll get into that. We're going we're to get into Calvinism uh, ne- next Wednesday night. We'll get into what it is and why I got started and the, the good and the bad, what, you know, the whole nine yards. Y'all need to know all this because whenever you're meeting people and you're, going, you're talking to them, you really don't know why you're running into a wall with certain people. So, so um, what's his name again? Whitfield was a Calvinist, and all he preached was justification by faith. He'd, and so Wesley really, really, really got concerned because he said, it seems like a year after I've gone to a town where they've had a mighty move of God, everyone backslides on me. And they're all back drinking, smoking, raising hell again. So he started churches in order to combat it and started preaching sanctification after they got saved. In other words, y'all need to live right. It's not enough to get born again and and a month later you're back smoking and drinking and raising hell in the bars again. So that that was a major thing to Wesley back in the 1700s was for people to continue to live right. Well, the Methodist... You know, and how many of y'all saw the movie Preacher with a Gun? That is based on a true story. There was a preacher, and uh, he traveled throughout the way. He was a Methodist. And, um, and he went into a town, and he'd preach in saloons. And, and, when, he would pre- and when he would preach, he would tell people, don't, don't climb up in the lofts or get in trees while I'm preaching because when the Methodist preached, people commonly fell out in the power. They had no idea what it was. And I was reading the other day, which was really interesting, that they would break out in weeping and crying excessively and excessive joy. While he's preaching. And, and, they, and they, didn't, they didn't call it anything. They didn't know what it was. They, were, they just said they're finding God. But when he would preach, the power would fall. It was Peter Cartwright that traveled through the West. And so one time he was preaching in a saloon and, they, they, and everybody got real rough. So, so, he, um, so he stopped preaching and went down and, and beat up the bad guys and put them in jail and turned the saloon into a courtroom, arrested the, the, the uh, sheriff and all the men, and then sanctified the saloon and then had a service again after they got the bad guys all beat up. So it's really interesting when you're reading church history how these guys traveled out west, but the Methodists were the ones that did a lot of the preaching and, and the holiness movement in America, Pentecostal holiness, came out of Methodist. And many of y'all didn't know that. Now, what happened to them, they went to Azusa Street and all the holiness people got filled with the Holy Ghost. So they became Pentecostal holiness. Now, one of the things that... Wesley preached, and we're going to get into this, is that you can lose your salvation. Thank y'all for y'all. Y'all, y'all, y'all you don't have any idea what it's like to watch y'all while I'm preaching. That if you, if you fall away from God, you're going to go to hell again. So, so our Pentecostals in America today, if you go and hang around them for any length of time, 
they have an extreme teaching that, I mean, if, if, you're, if you just cuss and die, you're going to hell. So, and they call it backsliding. There's, there's two definitions for backsliding. So whenever you hear someone use the word backsliding, you have to ask, which definition are you using? One of them is a backslider that, that loses their salvation every time they sin and goes to hell. Or the, or the other term, backslider, just means you went back into the world after you were saved and fell out of fellowship with God. Now, now and, and if the preacher doesn't tell you which, which one is you, you won't know. Thank you all for y'all's enthusiasm. So we're going to get into that also. Now, having said that, when you, that's why when you get around these people that wear gray dresses and they look ugly and they don't wear makeup or nothing like that, they really believe that if they don't live holy, they're not going to heaven. It's Jesus plus ugly that gets them saved. I met a man one time. He was working on my house and he was Pentecostal holiness. And he said, the elders in our church voted. And I don't know how you vote truth in that used to be truth and now it's not truth, but I, I don't know how they do that, but they did it. And he said, we have now voted that our women in our church can wear makeup. He says, but, they're, but they've never used it before. He said, God, are they ugly. <laughs> he said, they don't know what they're doing and we wish they wouldn't, they would just leave it alone. But they were praying that some woman would come along and teach their women how to put the stuff on. Anyway, it was funny, and I laughed at him. I, I, just, I just had a ball with this guy. So anyway, I want to get into that and teach it to you. So anyway, John 17, 20, let's start with, no, 17, 12. While I was with them in the world, I kept them. Jesus is praying for his disciples. I kept them in your name. Those whom you gave me, I have kept, and none of them is lost except the son of perdition, that the scripture might be fulfilled, referring to Judas. But now I come to you, and these things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I'm not of the world. I do not pray that you would take them out of the world, but you would keep them from the evil one. Now, isn't that kind of what holiness is all about, right? All right, they are not of the world, just as I'm not of the world. Sanctify them by your what? Truth. Truth. All right, let's stop right there. Sanctification is the process of God working holiness in you. That's a process. Now, this is the thing that the church has struggled with for so long is Holiness, sanctification, instant, or is it a process? The truth is it's both. And, and so this divide, both sides had a viable point. And they had scriptures to back up what they believed. And so if you got in an argument with them, they'd sit and argue with you and show you scriptures. And you couldn't say they were wrong because they're talking. I mean, without holiness, no man will see the Lord. And then we come over there and if any man's in Christ, is a new creation. And we're complete in him and we're perfect in Christ. And we both have scriptures to back up what we believe. But what we, what we never really conquered until lately was the who you are in Christ. That he was talking about your spirit man being made perfect, but yet your flesh and your soul are not. So if you're being saved, can you, is, save, is salvation a process? Yes. Is it instant? Yes. <laughs> what, who, what are you talking about, my spirit or my soul? 
And so up until now, nobody has ever really dove into that. And I remembered Brother Hagin talking about he was at his bed and he was reading 1 Corinthians and he was studying and, and he was reading those, he was praying those prayers in Ephesians and the Holy Ghost started teaching him all this and he said these words. He said, it's amazing nobody had to get me out of, in out of the rain as dumb as I've been all of my life. Because the revelation of trichotomy, that's the word I was looking for, spirit, soul, and body changed his life. Now, 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 um, um, Andrew said exactly the same thing. That revelation, when it hit him, when he got it, it changed everything. It's like a aha, oh, 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 hold on a minute, hold on. Now I understand all of the perfect scriptures, and now I understand the holy scriptures, and it makes sense now. And, and, um, and, um, the, um, Kenyon, E.W. Kenyon, was, got saved in a Methodist meeting and became a free will Baptist pastor, but he backslid. And he didn't know what to do because the Methodist believed if you backslid, you'd go to hell. So he thought he was going to hell, but God wouldn't leave him alone. And so finally, when he came out of his backslidden condition, he got in the word on his own and quit reading everybody else's books. And he found out who he was in Christ and what belonged to him. And he, and he became literally one of the greatest catalysts for in him or in Christ's teachings in his day. He was actually branded a heretic and is still in some denominations today. Um, T.L. Osborne uh, Kenyon is his Bible school. Kenyon has, has, has changed m more men and ministers than anybody else I know just on his teaching because he got a hold of trichotomy or, or the spirit, soul, and body. And, and so it just seems like when someone gets it, they're like, oh, my God, all this st starts making sense now. So all those scriptures that used to be like, that didn't make sense, that didn't make sense, that didn't make sense. David Wilkerson one time says, in my Bible, I have question marks on all the scriptures I don't understand. And he says, and I have a lot of question marks. Well, if you're ultra Pentecostal, there's a lot of scriptures that don't make sense to you. You can understand that. That doesn't mean that their heart's not right. And, I, and boy, I want, I want y'all to learn this. You can have a right heart and a wrong head. And, and there's times that I've listened to guys that I admire, and they say something, and I go, oh, no, brother, don't down that road. Because what happens is we get tainted by our upbringing. See, if you came out of Calvinism, you, you lean hard on, on mercy, you, you, you really lean that way hard. See, I lean because I came out of the world. I lean harder on new creation and, and all those things because that's what set me free. So, so you understand whatever sets you free, you're going to lean that way maybe more than you should because you're dealing with that group of people. Does that make sense? Whereas you came out of the holiness movement or you came out of a ultra uh, 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 where, where everybody's apathetic, you're going to lean the other way harder. Okay, y'all got that. All right, let me finish reading this because this gets better. Verse 18, it says, as you sent me in the world, I have sent them. And for their sakes, I sanctify myself. That means I set myself apart that they may be sanctified by truth. All right, now let's stop right there and go down this road for a minute. 
We're going to get into, not tonight, but soon, about the, this doctrine of God's, the sovereignty doctrine. God's just running everything. And, and the reason why that's, that's a mess. If I don't brush my teeth and they fall out, and later in life I go, I really learned my lesson. God did not take my toothbrush away so I would learn that. This whole thing of, sure, listen, listen to me. God is a merciful God, and when you do stupid, he'll help you out. But he didn't cause it. So the way he's going to get you out is truth. But he didn't do it so you would learn truth. You didn't learn truth because you're stupid. I, I shouldn't say that. Because we all have a tendency to be a little thick. And God's got to come along and go, if you're going to go down that road, go on. And when you call on me, I will come and help you. And I'll help get you out. But you don't have to do that. So the way God teaches you and the way he sanctifies you is with truth. Now, we, now, I'm not talking about just the truth you like. Come on, y'all. We got to go here. We got to go here. You, you've got to understand that I'm not going to change the Bible because you walked in. And every one of y'all came from somewhere different, and you all have areas that you're wrong. I don't care who you are. That's just Par for the course. We all, I have things I've changed in the last several months. If you're, if you're still where you are ten, five years ago, you're, you're a mess. And I'm changing now, and you should be changing because he gives you truth upon truth. You don't get it all in a week or a month or a year. And that's why sanctification has to be a process. He can't unload all your stupid the first week you get saved. It would kill you. So he's going to start working on you. If everything he says to you is sweet, you're not saved. And if your pastor only preaches sweetness, he's not saved either. That's not love. If you're a parent and you don't give your kids a little dose of truth every once in a while, you're not a good parent. And so I don't want to tell you that the truth of who you are in Christ and, what, and all that's great. That'll set you free. Well, well so will uh, put your tongue back up in your mouth and zip your lip, cowboy, because it's going to cause you some trouble down the road. There's a lot of truth that he brings to us over time. It's called growing. It's called maturing. So there is a doctrine of war over whether your spirit is mature or whether it's and it, and and that's irrelevant 
your soul ain't. <laughs> so it's irrelevant. You can split hairs on that all day long. I, I believe that my, my spirit man is complete. But a baby's complete. And, of course, I've heard guys on TV say, and you come out full-grown, mature. In all reality, I don't know and don't care. I know my soul didn't. I know that in the last few years I'm maturing in God, and you'd better be. Amen. Amen. All right, now, having said that, look at verse 20. I do not pray for these alone, but all that will believe in me through their words. So he's going to pray for you now. That they would be one... As you, Father, are in me, and I in you, they be one in us, that the world may believe you sent me. Now, I heard a man not too long ago preach that, that that's a prayer that, that God never answered of Jesus's, because the body of Christ is still not one. He's not talking unity. And he was a Methodist. Can you all understand why, if you don't understand in Christ realities, you would read that and go, well, that didn't get answered because we're definitely not one. Right? Well, he's talking about one in the spirit. You were made one when you were born again. You're a new creation in Christ Jesus. Am I right? Okay, Having when you know that, you're reading it and going, well, that makes perfect sense to me. All right, and I'm going to read something to you in a minute. I'm going to read something to you in a minute. And the glory which you have given them, that I may be one as we're one, I in them and you in me, that they may be made what? Are you serious? There's no reason to be holy. We already are. Boy, y'all looking at me like a dog in a new bowl. Let, let's, let's, let's read that. I'm going to go to a couple places I want to take you. I and them and you and me that the world may, that they will be perfect in one and the world know you sent me and love them as you love me. All right, I want you to couple, look at a couple of scriptures. Um, go to Hebrews 10, 1. I'm going to jump, I'm going to jump. I'm not going to read all of those up there, Justin. I'm going to, um, I, I don't have enough time. I got tons of scriptures up here. 10, 1. For the law having a shadow of good things to come and not the very image of the things can never with these same sacrifices which they offered year by year make those who approach perfect. Verse 14, for by one offering he has perfected forever those who are being what? Sanctified. Now he's using the word perfect and sanctified talking about your spirit man. He's not talking about your flesh right here. So, so you can understand why if you didn't understand 1 Thessalonians 5.23, you'd read the Bible. It, it would just mess. You just, well, you know, it says I'm perfect. And over here it says I need to get perfect. And it says if I'm not perfect, I'm going to hell. And it says that I'm the righteousness of God. And he loves me and I am. And hey, I'm closing this thing up. This is crazy. And you need to go to a church where the preacher knows what he's talking about. And, and understand, this is why I studied so much, because I would read him and go, what? I pulled all my hair out, and I wish I had it back. Not really. Hebrews 12. Look, look at that. Hebrews 12, verse 23. And this, if that didn't mess you up, this one will. To the general assembly and church of the firstborn who are registered in heaven, to God the judge of all, to the spirits of just men made perfect. Say, that's me. Say, I'm perfect. And you're correct. Now, we don't have time to get into it tonight. 
We've done this so many times before, but you need to fight all of your battles from being a spirit, not, not a soul. You, you've got to identify, I'm a spirit. And, and if you don't, you're going to lose the holiness battle because your holiness is not creating righteousness and it's not making you acceptable to God, but it is making you useful to God. Wow. Okay. I knew y'all would like all that. So anyway, go to Romans 12, 1 and 2. Let's start talking about sanctification now. You cannot preach sanctification without preaching Romans 12. So are we to live holy? Yes, we are. Yes, most certainly, yes, we are. And I'm going to get in here one night and we're going to talk about what it takes to lose your salvation. Uh, Listen, there's more in this Bible than you learned growing up with a flannel graph. You You can walk out on this deal if you want to. And I know, Ken, I know the time that Jesus appeared to Brother Hagin and talked to him about how people lose their salvation. He was a staunch Baptist, and he didn't believe it. He's like, you got to show me that in the Word. And he says, oh, don't worry about it. I can show it to you in the Word. So, is it as e- so this is the way I, I read it, if you all want to know. He said, it's not as easy as the Pentecostals say, and it's not as hard as the Baptists say. It's, but you, don't, you do not want, you, you want to live in victory but don't, you're free from sin. Stop playing with it. Now, you have a church for your benefit. It's not a bondage to go. You go because you, you need, to, listen, when you get in trouble alone, you're, that's not a good day. But when we notice you're gone, we're probably going to start praying for you. And, and you're going to need people to pray for you. That's why he puts you in a body. It's not a bondage. It's not this thing that if you've got to go, if you miss a Sunday, you're, it's not, that's not the issue. But people at least need to know you well enough they know you by your name. And you're a part of them and you're helping other people in the building other than just yourself. Because there's times I need you. You know, there's times that I'll, I, I mean, I just need you guys to stand with me because I've had the devil try to kill me twice. I've had times I've gone through depression, and, and I don't mean depression like you, you go take a pill. I mean, I just go, I, I, I'm just tired. I, I'm being serious. I've just had times like if I preach another sermon and have to look at someone who's not going to do what I, do the Bible, I'm just going to, I'm going to get a job. I'm serious. And then I've had people in this church go, you need prayer. I'm going, you ain't lying. And, and I've had people pray me out of stuff. I'm just, I'm just, I'm like you. I'm not Superman. I, I, if you think the devil just, just leaves me alone, he don't. We'll get, and another thing we're going to get in here and talk about the battles filled with the mind. Now he'll get in your head if you let him. And you got to get him out. And knowing you have people who love you is a big benefit. All right, having said all of that, Romans 12, 1, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, 
You are to present your body a living sacrifice acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. The word service is worship. Why? Because your flesh is not saved. You do not need to be ashamed that you go through temptation. I don't get tempted for a cold miller anymore. I remembered when I did. It was a while after I got saved that I would be going, hey, I just need to stop at Hungry, what is it, Howie's, the Hungry Howie's, and just get me a good cold one right now, and it'll fix everything. And I remembered having the thoughts, and I could taste it. And, and I'd have to pray in the Holy Ghost, God, help me, Jesus. I don't need a cold one now. And I kicked it. I never had another cold one. But I did have a glass of wine in Israel. Is that all right with y'all? Y'all not going to backslide? I got up, I got in there one night and my stomach was not doing good. And they set a glass of wine down in front of me and I went, I'm going to down that dude. And I did. And it was good. It's the only glass of wine I've had except I had one hard lemonade. But I didn't know what it was. <laughs> I went in a store and I got a lemonade and Lisa and I drank it. It was really good. And when we got to the restaurant that night, they were having hard tea and, and see, I'm ignorant. I had, I hadn't been in the world in a long time. I, I'm just stay at church all the time. I'm in church all the time now. And I said, what's hard tea made with hard water? I'm, I'm just looking at this. And they said, it has alcohol. And I said, does hard lemonade? And they said, yes. And I told Lisa, I said, there went my testimony right there. And we drank it today. I mean, we're in the boat chugging one, boy. And it was good. But um, yeah, we were happy after that. Yeah, woo, glory to God. Isn't God good? So, so that's two times I've sinned since I got saved. But you know, I'm not one. I'm not one to promote drinking. My dad was an alcoholic, and I've seen kids come out of this mobile home park over here that deal with that. And it's not wise for us to drink and cause them to stumble. Amen. And I'm not going to do it in a generation because it's a social thing now, and I just refuse to do it. It's not like I'd go to hell for drinking. I just refuse to do it. So I don't know how I got off on all that. But, but he says, I beseech you but that we're not, we're not sinners. Our flesh, our flesh is not saved. Now, now that's, I want that to help y'all because when you get to go through temptations, the devil's going to beat you up just for being tempted. You know, Jesus was tempted. He was tempted to commit suicide. I mean, most people go, oh, no way in the world. Oh, yeah, way. And when he went through stuff, he went through temptation. But a temptation is not a sin. Now, let me tell you something else. It's possible for you to live without sin. And we're going to get into that in a minute because that, that's another doctrine that's wrong. Everyone's got to sin a little. No, no, you don't. No, you can actually get to the place. So now I, I don't have a desire for a drink or a smoke or a cold one. I think the only two sins I still struggle with 
and not so bad, I would say, is worry and just wanting to beat you up. <laughs> not y'all, but I, I still have a hard time sitting at a traffic light when someone's on the phone. And by the time the two go through, I'm left sitting there because y'all were on the phone. Now, I really am working on my love walk, but about that time, you don't want to be in the truck with me. <laughs> no, I'm not that bad anymore, but I, I tell you a few years ago, and I had a little bit of an anger problem for a while, and I justified it. That's why you have sin, because you justify it. If you justify it, you're going to do it. And I told the Lord one day, I said, Lisa's make, she just makes me mad. And he said, she, he can't, she can't make you mad. You got mad all by yourself. Well, after, he dis, after he's agreeing with Lisa, now I'm mad at her and him. <laughs> <laughs> and you have to stop justifying stuff when you, you have to quit blaming other people for your stuff. You're not sinning for someone else. And all of us have our issues. That's why sanctification is a process. And every year I look back and I go, God, it's amazing they hadn't run me out of there. Because I, <laughs> that's a miracle. All right, look at verse 2. And do not be conformed to the world. You're not supposed to be formed and pressed into the way the world is. And, and I realize that's not popular right now. You do not have to dress like them. And you do not have to. Um, look like them, to be accepted by them. I've asked people before who, who said something about the way I looked, walked, talked, dressed. I said, well, who are you? I don't remember you being very important. <laughs> Except you are a legend in your own mind. You know, it's funny how people think They've got this right to run around telling everybody how they ought to live and act. I, I don't want to look and walk and talk like everybody I know. I can't stand the way they live. You know, Lisa and I have a, we don't have cable. We still have a dish. And it doesn't work when it's windy. <laughs> we just have to guess about the weather. And we watch Bill Winston, and we watch um, Kenneth Copeland, and we watch Andrew Womack, and we watch the weather. And the weather's the only wicked station on. <laughs> it's just pure unbelief is what it is. And occasionally we watch a Hallmark. But Lisa, she hates it when I watch Hallmark with her. Because <laughs> I already know that he's going to try to kiss her. And they're going to get interrupted. It's just, it, it's, every, it's every one. Never mind. So y'all can imagine our living room at my house. You can be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by renewing your what? Your mind. So your mind does not get renewed instantly. It's a process. Now, let me make a statement here, and y'all write this down. Mind renewal does not happen because you're reading your Bible. It's happening when you do the Bible. Now, that took me a while to figure that out because I would read love and it wouldn't work. I'd pull out an I-4, see if it works, and it didn't work. I read it, I read it for an hour. 
I confessed I'm patient, I'm patient, I'm patient, and pulled out, and it went to pot in about two minutes, and I was about impatient. So I had to learn right then, it doesn't work because you've studied your Bible. It only works when you work it. And you get good at it the more you do it. So, so the way the Lord told it to me is this. When, when, if I walked up to Paul and I said, do you believe in the baptism of the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in tongues? He'd say yes. And I'd say, well, how so? And he would show me a scripture. But that scripture that he would show me is connected to the day he got filled with the Spirit and spoke in tongues. Right. There was an act that made the scripture real. Does that make sense to y'all? And, that, and if I told you, that, do y'all believe in the new birth? You'd say yes. Well, what you really believe in the new birth because you got born again. Right. That's why when you're talking to people who haven't gone through experiences and they accuse us of relying on experiences, we're not. We're relying on the word, but the word became real when we acted on it. And the more you act on it, the more real that word becomes to you. That's why I say things to some people that have been in this church for 10, 15, 20 years, and you're still a baby. You're not acting on the word of God. You're not playing. You're not, you're, this is a game. You got a game going here. There should be some advancement in you. And I'm not saying you should be perfect. I'm just saying there should be an obvious difference from year to year of something. Okay. Now, let's go over a few holiness scriptures now. Um, oh, boy, I got, a whole, I got a whole bunch of, let's see what, oh, man. Okay. 2 Corinthians 3.18, and I'm going to go, th- Justin, you want to pop these up on the screen and let me just not flip through the Bible, because I want to go a little quicker. 2 Corinthians 3.18, pop it up. But we all with an unveiled face, now here, here's back what I just said. Beholding as in a mirror, what's the mirror? The word, the glory of the Lord are being transformed or changed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the spirit of the Lord. Now, what he's saying is when you read the scripture, let's say you're you're reading one on prosperity and you go, I'm blessed. Oh, glory to God, I'm blessed. Well, when you start giving, you're acting on the scripture then that comes back and you have that memory and and God takes you from glory to glory. That's why I teach, you can disagree with this if you want to, you're probably not going to be a millionaire if you're broke in the next six months. You could. It's not, not on God's end. We have a tendency to learn line upon line. We have a tendency to go to first grade, second grade, third grade, fourth. That's just the way we, we work. God could, God could make you a millionaire in six months if you would believe it. But most people don't. You'll start here and go, oh, my God, that worked. Because very few people walk up and go, oh, man, that's awesome, and just sign your check and put it in the offering plate. They don't normally do that. They'll normally start with tipping God. I, oh, that's awesome. Here's five bucks. And it works with a measure you meet. And see, now your, your mind is getting renewed, and, and you're like, that is awesome. I got a raise. And the next week, you're like, five and extra five. And a year later, you're like, a hundred. 
And a year later, two years later, it's 500. And see, that's not God. That's you. But we're going from glory to glory. And that is him sanctifying you with truth. And you have more truth now than you had. Do y'all see that? Do y'all see that? Okay. That's the only thing that separates Kenneth Copeland or Joyce Myers from you. There's, you're as righteous as they are, but yet your soul may not be where they are. Yeah. All right. Or Jesse. Okay. Second Corinthians 6, 11. Go there. And I think I'm, this is going to be a while. And um, O Corinthians, we have spoken openly and our heart is wide open. Let's just go. Uh, you are not restricted by us, but you're restricted by your own affections. Now, in return to the same, I speak to you as children, you also be open. Do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers, for what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness, and what communion has light with darkness? He's talking to you as a Christian. And what accord has Christ, he's calling you Christ, with Belial, or what a part as a believer with an unbeliever? And what agreement has the temple of God with idols? For you are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I'm going to dwell in them and I'll walk in them and I'll be their God and they will be my people. Come out from among them. All right, now listen to me. What happens to a Christian who stops obeying God? Number one, he stops growing. Now, now listen to me because this is a mystery because people go, well, wait a minute. Um, I, believe, I believe 1 John chapter 1 is referring to fellowship, not relationship. I do. And I believe that you can break fellowship with God by not doing what he said. That, that's me. That's what I believe. So what happens is in the book of James, he said he gives more grace. I think, now, now listen to what I'm going to say. You cannot grow in holiness without grace. So growing in holiness is a gift when your heart is right and you're submitted to God. So what happens if your heart turns and you stop obeying God? Well, it's not that you stop being saved, but it says he gives more grace and he resists the proud. So the grace to live right is withheld. And you'll find yourself doing things you used to do that you, st- that you had gotten conquered. That's why men will find themselves back in porn. Women will find themselves back gossiping. That's why people will find themselves missing church. Because your heart turned, all right, there was a prominent minister, and I won't mention his name, it's not, it's not important, that was known all over the world on television that got into a scandal with a woman. He started visiting girly bars and watching strippers. Now, this is a guy that's been on TV preaching, people getting saved all over the world. How does he end up in a stripping bar? Y'all want to know? He started criticizing other ministers. Listen to me very carefully. What happened? God pulled his grace off him. God didn't cause him to fall. You can't live for God without God. You need grace. You need grace to get saved, and you need grace today. You need, you need grace all the time. You just, this is not a one-time gig. You need grace right now. You're going to stay in fellowship with God if you want that grace to keep working. Because there's, there's things God wants to do. This is a supernatural life. You can't just go off the deep end and then run around and go, well, I'm a Christian. And then you're going, well, I don't know what happened to me. Well, I do. 
repent. We don't even, we don't preach that. Now, I want to tell you something I read the other day on, on Wesley. When he preached to sinners, he preached them into hell. Told them, you're going to hell. He pulled scriptures out to prove you're going to hell. And then he gave them the antidote and they got saved. You don't need the antidote if you don't think you're sick. If you're a born-again Christian, you're flopping in sin, you, you need to hear truth that might make you mad a little bit for a little while. Yes. Amen. There's a reason why you're flopping like a fish on the side of a bank if you used to walk with God. Something happened to you, yes. and it's not the church that did it. Right. I'd go down there, but I, I don't like them. I tried that. I told Lisa that one time. She said, well, you got to go. You're the pastor. <laughs> now, I'm going to tell you something. I've seen that happen in my own life. Go back to struggling with something that I, that I had conquered. And I found out that it was always connected to me running my stupid mouth about somebody that was none of my business. Amen. Okay, I'll come over here and pray. I'm talking about needing and Y'all don't even need to get worried. But I'm going to tell you, I've had times when I run my mouth and it's just a grace. Now, I, I'm still saved. I still love Jesus. But I'm fighting with sin. And, I, and I'm like, what the, what, what's going on with me? I can only sin for six days. <laughs> well, three. Come on, y'all. Come on, y'all. Y'all help me out. I'm starting to feel bad for myself right now. And then I went back to that, the Lord showed me about that guy that had gotten into running his mouth about ministers. And I started realizing you can break fellowship with God and you don't want to break fellowship with God because you're going to find yourself doing stupid stuff and saying stuff and what happened to me? All right. Okay. I know that's not popular. All right. Uh, did I finish this? No, I did not. 617, go to the next one. I'll be a father to you and you'll be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. At 19. Did I catch you off guard? 19. There's, well, then go to 7-1. Therefore, having these promises, look at this. Let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit and perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Who's supposed to be doing that? You are. Well, can you do it without God? No, you can't. That's, a, that's why this whole thing's been a mystery. You're going to have to fellowship with God to do that. You're not going to wake up in the morning and just keep missing God and keep not praying and quit and then live right. You're not going to do it. So, so that's, that's kind of the secret to holiness. You got to hang around God to be holy. I know that sounds, and I mean, if you get, pick up your Bible and start walking with God, it'll, it'll just clean, just that, that, it'll just clean you up. All right. All right. Uh, Philippians 1.6, or is it Philemon? Philippians. 
Being confident of this very thing, he who has begun a good work in you will complete it to the day of Jesus Christ. Is he doing that or you? Well, he's doing it. But, but now I, I showed you that so that you'd say, well, wait a minute, God's doing it. Well, he is doing it. But he's not, but he, he's prompting us and he's prompting our hearts. Now, I want to ask y'all a question. This might be embarrassing. How many of y'all have always obeyed instantly what he showed you? I got to put mine down too. There's been time, I would say three quarters of the time, I'm pretty fast. There's just something about some things that I hadn't been real keen on doing. And so it's not that God leaves you, but he doesn't go to the next thing. He stays there. You know, you're coming along going, hey, God, where'd you go? He go, you remember six months ago when I was talking? I haven't left this. And we're like, well, I've moved on, God. He goes, well, I didn't. You're going to come back here, little buddy, and get that dealt with. And, and, and it's amazing that he will stay on us. Aren't y'all glad he does? Aren't y'all glad? And that's what this scripture means. He, he's, gonna, he's, he's patient. He loves us. And he'll work with us. Now, now sometimes he'll let you eat it. I would tell a story, but Justin's here. 2 Timothy 2.19, go over there. Nevertheless, the solid foundation of God stands having this seal. The Lord knows those that are his and let everyone who names the name of Christ depart from iniquity. Stop it and get out of that mess. I'm going to finish reading this in a minute. That's one of the reasons I asked Teresa to start that foundations class up. Now, people are going to get, they're going to criticize me for saying this, but, but don't do it. You've got about two to three months after someone gets born again before they're either decided to stay or go back. In Billy Graham's crusade, they said 50% of all the people that walked the aisle went back in the world. Charles Finney had like 70 or 80% of everyone that ever walked the aisle in a meeting stay walking with God. They use the term stayed saved. I'm going to give a book to Shirley when I find it because I lost it at home. And Brother Hagin in there is talking about how we as the church have got to pray for the babies that Christ has formed in them. They need prayer. When they get saved, we've got to get on this thing because Satan's going to do everything in his power to pull them back. We can't just let them come in and go, you're saved? Oh, good. That's not right. They're baby Christians. They, they need us behind them. So having said that, um, go to the next one, 20. In a great house, there's vessels of gold and silver, but wood and clay, some for honor, some for dishonor. Therefore, if anyone cleanses who? Yourself from the latter. He'll be a vessel of honor, sanctified and useful for the master prepared for every good work. Now let's go back for a minute and let's talk about how this works. When God starts dealing with you, and understand something, 
What he's talking to Art about right now is probably not what he's talking to Kenny about. That's, that's, the, glory, that's the beauty of being in church. And, and I can't come down hard on y'all because I don't know where y'all are. So whatever he's dealing with you about, God is going to deal with Art. He wants Art to get his Bible out. And he wants him to start acting on that and get that area built in his life. Amen. And that's, that's what he's talking about, becoming a vessel of honor. Now, I want to say something to you because a lot of times people will come in, and I'm, and I'm not picking on Art and Crystal right now, but Art and Crystal or whether they come from the river, and they say, I have a degree. I go, I don't really don't care. You, you, and you, you don't really have anything. You just sat in a Bible school. Show me your walk. I want to, I want to see, I want to see you serve. I want to see faithfulness. I, I don't, I don't care where you went to school. Cause I had the same issue when I left Rama. I thought I was cat's meow until I had to start doing this and that changed everything. So, so you understand, it's one thing to have knowledge. It's another thing, because in, in 1 Corinthians in love, he says, you can have all knowledge. If you have love, you don't have love, you're just a big zero. And we have a bunch of big zeros sitting in church. They don't, they don't have any love walk. They don't have any commitment. There's nothing there. Come on. And so if you're going to be a vessel of honor, that's a process. That people need to, you know, I, I used to put people in leadership. I quit, I quit putting them in quick. Because I'd, I'd say things to them and they'd fall apart. Like come to church on time. <gasps> I didn't know you were still in first grade. I thought you were in third by the time I met you. So, you know, there's just things that people don't have worked out in their life. And it's wrong for me to put them in a position just to have them fail. But, but over time, over time, there should be, there should be some of this worked into you. You can't have a church and everybody's a baby. Can you imagine a mama with 300 bottle sucking babies? Come on, help me out a little bit. That's called a sinker sensitive church. That'll kill a man. There needs to be teenagers and young adults in that house. You can hand the bottle baby to someone and have them go take. Mama don't need to be washing all the dishes, all the diapers, feeding all the babies and cleaning all the bottoms. And that's what the church has been doing to the pastor for years. And it's wrong. That's why you guys do the work of ministry. When I see someone thrown up on the back row, I go, Teresa, go over there. They're barfing. Go burp them with, for a little bit and they'll be all right. See, you got to have people, you got to have mature people around you. And, and you, and, and God is taking you to maturity. That is what sanctification is. And whether you believe it or not, um, how much time do I got? I got enough. Uh, I got, go, go to Ephesians 4. I want to show you something. And then I'll look at another minute. One more. Y'all ready for this? Because this has been, well, I, I think y'all are getting it, aren't you? The sanctification really is just you growing and becoming more like Jesus. Now, I want to show you this in your Bible, Ephesians 4, 11. And he gave some apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Those are the fivefold for y'all. For the equipping of the saints, for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, until till we all come to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect man. Can you hit perfection? 
you most certainly can. Well, that'll rock your boat. You can actually get to the place to where you're exactly like Jesus this side of heaven. Now, let's, let's talk about this for a minute. Would it shock you to watch Joyce Myers come out of a restaurant with a cigarette in her mouth and short shorts on? Yes. Why? You've seen Christians smoking cigarettes and short shorts. But why would it bother you if Joyce did it? Because she's, listen, listen. Yeah, because she's, she's a minister and she's, she's matured and we expect more of her. Now, that goes for all of us in this room. Don't expect 10 years from now me to treat you the same way I did when you first walked in here. And you, act, you acted like a baby because you were a baby and I treated you like a baby. And we loved you and you burped you and you threw up and we loved you and you, you pooped in your pants and we loved you. But don't poop in your pants 10 years from now because we're not going to love you then. We're, we're going to take you in the back room back there and we're going to spank you and then we're going to change your diaper and then we're going to fix you. You're not doing this you're 10 years old. You ain't doing this. Yes. Amen. And a lot of people don't understand, and they go, well, pa Pastor was kind of rough today. <laughs> yeah, I smell something. Are y'all out there? Come on. Come on, y'all do it too. And, I, and, I, and I'm going to tell you something. There are, there are pastors who are not mature. I, I have to admit, and Betty May will tell you in case you think I'm lying. If not, I know Melanie will tell you because she still gossips. No, not really. I'm She's not even in here. I can't even pick on her. But I, 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 I had a lot of growing. Kenny remembers. Man, 30 years ago, good God almighty. Man, did I have a lot of growing up to do. And every year I'd go home and go, God, I know I'm not supposed to be doing this. And, and really, the only way God can do anything, he's got to put you in it. He's got to let you start. And, and bless the people, you know, just help them, help them, Jesus. <laughs> Amen. But there's a lot of guys coming out of Ramah, and, and, and three-quarters of them didn't make it. They didn't grow up. Let me tell you something. If you don't, if you, if you don't grow up, he'll pull you out. It's quiet in here. That's all right. I... Hebrews 6. Then we'll close with this. Verse, no, 5. Hebrews 5. Justin, I'm sorry. For though by this time you ought to be teaching, you ought to be able to take the Bible and teach it. You need someone else to teach you again the, the principles of the oracles of God. You have need milk and not solid food. Everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled. That means they're not doing it. In the word of righteousness, for he's a baby. Solid food belongs to those who are full age by reason of use. Underline the word use. Have their senses exercised. That means they're doing the word of God so they matured. Now he's getting on to them. Now, now, 
So, so we're talking sanctification. Is there holiness? Yes. Does it, are you saved? Because, no. Um, do you, it, it, sh should you be holy, growing and growing in grace? Yes. Is there ramifications if you don't? Yes, there is. So you can't just hang on milk in Christ's realities all your life. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. I'm saved. I heard that 10 years ago, sweetheart, but you know, <laughs> are y'all out there? That's a foundation for you to build on. But you and I should be building. Now, if there's anything that needs to go on, see, if you're not progressing, this is why Jesus made a statement. He says, you've left your first love. What he was really talking about was there was a time when you loved him so much, you were willing to do things to please him, and that's caused you to grow. The growth in you stopped, not that you're not saved, but you stopped pleasing the Lord. And, that, and that's very dangerous because there's people been saved 10, 15, 20 years, and they stopped. They stopped growing. And yet they're in a worse shape than anybody else in the church and don't even know it. Isn't that wild? Amen. Whew. Holiness. Amen. Now, I'm going to tell you this, and I'm going to close. There's only one way I've ever found to stay holy and stay full of peace. Spend time with God. I have not found another way to do it. I don't, I don't, I'm talking about reading books. I'm talking about my private time with God, searching my heart, and praying, and just loving God, and, and just staying humble before God. That no matter where, no matter what I'm doing in my life, if I stay there, it's like the grace is there for me to live for God. Amen. Does this make sense? So is holiness God doing or you? It's both. Amen. Amen. Are y'all ready to pray? It is exactly. I got y'all out on time. What should I do with myself? Y'all learn anything? Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for the Word of God. Father, I should, I should mention this, and, and I didn't, and I'll mention it in prayer. It's imperative we grow. Father, it's, if there's anybody in this room right now that stopped growing and, and, and stopped fellowship with you, I pray that tonight they would just pick it back up because you're waiting on it. And that's where that, that we lose our joy. That's where, that's, that's where that went. Because he said something to us or he showed us something and we stopped. And we didn't, we didn't understand what was going on in us. But if that's happened to anybody, I'm just going to encourage you. Just, just go back to time with God. Just, just get along with God and start praying. And he'll show you. And he'll show you what to do. He's not going to give you 15, 20 things. He's just going to show you one and just pick it up. And once you make that decision to obey him, 
your peace will come back, your joy will come back, your faith will come back, and everything will be back where it was. And you'll be growing in God. You can't stop. So, Father, I pray if, if there's anybody in the sound of my voice that I, that's them, I pray that tonight they would pick that back up. And I, and I give you glory for that, sir, in Jesus' name. I had him prompt me something. I want to tell you one more story. When Kenneth Hagin was on his deathbed as a boy, he was reading his, his, his grandmother's Bible. And he got to the scripture that said um, not to worry in, in the Sermon on the Mount. And he said to himself, no one can do that. And he said the Bible went black. It wasn't a joy to read it and get anything out of it. He, he got nothing out of the Bible. And uh, I said that because so often th this happens to Christians and they're like, I don't understand. I'm saved. I love the Lord. But he went, he started praying because he's praying for his healing. And he went and he said, Lord, wh where, what, what happened? Where'd you go? He said, go back to that scripture. He said, I want you to, I want you to stop worrying. He said, I can't. He said, you can too. If I told you, you can do it, you can do it. And he said it took him a while to make a vow to God, I'm going to stop worrying. He said, the Lord said to him, I can't heal you. Your faith won't work while you're worrying. And so often we get to a place where we, we, God brings us and we go, oh, I, I, I can't do that. And we, and we think something happened to the church. Hey, pastor, he don't preach like he used to. He just, it's you. You understand that? And this, see, we watch people come and they stay here for a while and they leave. They, they, hit, a, they hit a place where they said no to God. You can't do that. Not if you want, it, not if you want victory. Now, I didn't say they lost their salvation. I just said that's the end. That, and that's when bad things happen. And not God doing it. He's not doing it. But they stepped right out of the will of God and walked right out in Satan's territory. And then Satan started whipping on them. And they said, well, God did that to bring me back. No, God, no, God didn't do anything to get you out. You're the one. You're the one. So I said that to y'all because so often, if you, if you don't know that, you'll struggle for a while wondering what happened to you. And, if, and now that you know that, you'll know, what is it? What was I doing when you were talking to me that I told you no? Amen. And, and I have a sneaky feeling you're going to remember that either this week, next week, or next six months because that, that happens to us occasionally. Amen. Ever, anybody that ever happened to y'all? Yeah, it's happened to me. So, so anyway, thank you, Father, for the night. Bless them in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to this powerful message by Pastor Daryl Morgan. We hope it blesses you. If you would like more info on Word of Life, sermons, and free downloads, please go to wordoflifeapopka.com. Thank you and have a blessed day.